Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. This will be our season wrap-up uh, episode. We're going to go on a bit of a hiatus from Packers Unscripted after this. Wes has some vacation to take. I have some vacation to take. Who knows when we'll be back. We will be back. But when, when, I'm not sure. I was going to say, we'll see if Leroy gets in the Hall of Fame or not. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then probably about 48 <laughs> minutes after the announcement's made, we'll be doing an episode of yeah. Packers. Wes is going to drag me in here because we're going to have to talk about it. Um, but yes, uh, off-season episodes between now and the draft might just be very much news-driven, might be based on um, when Wes and I are both, uh, both happen to be in the office at the same time. That aside, though, I do want to start this episode with a hearty congratulations and a big-time shout-out to now former Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. He has landed the head coaching job of the Denver Broncos. This is a tremendous career achievement for somebody that um, everyone in this building uh, was rooting for him. If this is what he wanted, you wanted you wanted him to get it and get this opportunity. Um, just a, a, a great guy. I I wish he could have been around Green Bay longer than uh, than three years. He's been really fun to talk to and get to know. But congratulations to Coach Hackett. Congratulations to Nathaniel. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he's been behind the Zoom wall here for two years for yeah. the most of it. But a guy that when you'd see him in the press box, you always have a good smile for you, always have a nice hello, very personable. I made the comment, Mike, at the end of the season, when I was thinking originally maybe he'd be a candidate for Jacksonville, I had tweeted out something along the lines of, if you want to change your culture – if you want to, you know, infuse some positivity in your locker room, Nathaniel Hackett's your guy. Well, and it sounded like he was potentially on his way for a second interview yeah. in Jacksonville, and the Denver Broncos didn't let him leave town. They, they, uh, they dropped a contract in front of him and said, uh, and said, you're our guy. So let's, uh, so let's go. There are obviously some implications here. Uh, you know, the this is going to fuel, you know, rumors and speculation regarding Aaron Rodgers and all that. I'm not going to get into it. We will see what happens. With regard to the Packers staff, Matt LaFleur had mentioned on Monday, um, you know, he's got a plan in place, obviously. His plan is to promote from within for uh, for offensive coordinator. Presumably, his top candidates there are Luke Getze, and Adam Stenovich, Getze being quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, Stenovich being offensive line coach and run game coordinator. But then another potential wrinkle here is you don't know if Coach Hackett might potentially want to take one of those guys with him to Denver to be his offensive coordinator. So we'll have to see what happens here. But, uh, but Matt LaFleur's plan is to promote from within at offensive coordinator to replace uh, Nathaniel. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I, I want to make this abundantly clear because I, I made this case in the inbox too in regards to Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas, two guys that the Packers would love to have back for 2022 but have incredibly raised their their stock here over the last few <laughs> yeah, months. just a bit. Whether or not the Packers can bring back Campbell or Douglas, whether or not, well, obviously, Hack will be moving on to a new opportunity, that – has positive implications for the Packers franchise, for this team, and certainly for Matt LaFleur. I think one thing, especially as organizations, you fall into this pit where you want to continue to be the status quo because you fear what it means to lose a player, what it means to lose a coach. When in reality, by Nathaniel Hackett moving on, it creates opportunities for guys on this roster who are also deserving of those opportunities. 
What I love the most about Hackett's story, though, Mike, it's not like when Matt LaFleur hired him in 2019. Hackett was this huge, you know, stud, you know, had everyone's just raving about him as offensive coordinator. This is a great hire. There were a lot of questions about him because of how things ended in Jacksonville. Yeah, he'd been run out of town, basically. And as I kind of said a few weeks ago, I think as time has passed, his tenure as the offensive coordinator as the Jacksonville Jaguars has really, really looked better and better. Uh, what he was able to do, what they were able to accomplish. And while he was sort of unceremoniously, you know, let go uh, during a time in which, you know, that happens to coaches where they have to make these decisions, for him to get this opportunity and to become such a beloved coach, you know, get the Packers with the gold zone, you know, setting franchise records for productivity last year, being able to kind of rebound here the second half of this season. He had a lot to do with what Green Bay was able to build offensively. So, yes, you hate to see coaches go. You hate to see talented players go. But people around the league are going to notice that, Mike. When Matt LaFleur inevitably starts hiring guys again after all the dust settles, coaches are going to want to come to Green Bay. When free agents that maybe are looking for an opportunity because they felt like they got the raw end of the stick, like Campbell, like Douglas, like Dennis Kelly, they're going to notice what those players did in Green yeah. Bay. Yeah. The overall byproduct of that is really important. Because you're not going to be able to pay everybody $10 million a year. But if people understand that there's an opportunity to grow and enhance and improve in this environment, they're going to want to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the other thing that I want to focus this show on before at the end, we will talk about the upcoming conference championship games and get some thoughts there. If we but have to. I came up with, uh, I came up with a few categories uh, sort of to uh, – to recap this 2021 season for the Packers. Now, in the spirit of unscripted, I haven't told Wes what the categories are. Feels like I've had the show. advantage to do a little bit of thinking to make my choices here, but he gets the advantage of going first. So if he picks what I want, I have to come <laughs> up done. with something else. But um, we'll start with this, Wes. The best moment of the 2021 season for the Packers. Is he going to, is Marv going to play like the Jeopardy music over I, the top? I, I don't know. That's up, that's up to him in, in the, when he, when like he gets, gets uh, do, doing the final production. 10 here. seconds for me to write on my monitor yeah. and then we show everybody what I picked. <laughs> the best moment of the 2021 season. There's a few of them, but I'm going to try to give you one. To me, I think a lot of it is that win over the Minnesota Vikings, because that was what got them to buy. That's what got them. They, they clinched the division and Lef and Rogers given that speech to the guys about enjoying this moment. That's something I've kind of talked to people about a lot this season. The other answer I kind of wanted to use there was Rogers just reporting for training camp. I felt like that was a big moment. Certainly but, valid, but it was the appreciation of what you're accomplishing in the moment of what you're accomplishing it. I understand this is a disappointing week. You heard me talk on Tuesday. It's a disappointing, you know, to fall short of the ultimate goal. But this ride is so long. There's so many days in a year. There, there's so much legacy involved in these things that if you boil it down to just winning or losing a Super Bowl, it's going to be difficult yeah. to, to, to put all your chips in that basket, even if you win the darn thing. I appreciate that Rodgers said that to the team that day. I appreciate what it meant for him to come back, for him to have the success he did. He was a PFWA uh, MVP of the year, MVP. He, you know, likely will be the AP one as well. We'll find out shortly. But 
what Rodgers brought to this team and being able to have that moment with the roster, the huddle before they knelt down, I felt like that was a pretty big catalyst to what they did. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a good choice. Capstone My pick, is what I was looking for, by the way. What's that? I was looking for capstone, not catalyst. Yeah. Is the word. Um, my pick is uh, is the Rasul Douglas interception in Arizona. It was up there too. Um, that was for me. That was a uh, and and you know we for the second straight year because of COVID protocols, restrictions on the team charter and whatnot. You and I did not travel to the road games. That Rasul Douglas interception in the end zone to win the game against Arizona when the Cardinals were undefeated. It was a Thursday night game on the road, traveling multiple time zones. The Packers were devastated by injury. They were they were down several players on both sides of the ball. That was a jump out of your chair moment. Yep. Um, you know, as as far as this twenty twenty one season went. Um, not only to win that game, but the player that was Rasul Douglas having been on the practice squad for Arizona. The fact that the Packers had played such an incredible game shorthanded and had a chance to put it away in a goal-to-go situation on the one-yard line, failed to get the clinching points, and then as Kyler Murray was taking the Cardinals the other way down the field, you just felt like, oh my gosh, this one's going to slip away, it's going to slip away. And Rasul Douglas makes the interception on the pass to AJ Green. So that was uh, that was my top and moment of the season. Pack, the Cardinals never recovered. That was basically the turning it was, point of it, their it, season. It, 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 it absolutely was the turning point of their season. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, and I think it's important to kind of note those at times because while it was a, such a high moment for Green Bay, it shows you the way this league goes and how teams go up, teams go down, and it is about that consistency in between. Yeah, no question about it. Favorite touchdown. Favorite touchdown. Oh man, there are so many. The Lazard one, the the leaping Lazard one was one I'm probably gonna remember for a while. Um, shoot, the opponent's escaping me now though. Was um, that was that the Minnesota game? Yeah, yeah, the, the one where he goes up and came yeah, down with the, it on his sort back. of the, on the side of the end zone yeah. there. Yeah, by he the looked boundary. like Megatron on that play. <laughs> uh, and and you know, there's so many different ones you could pick though, Mike. I mean. Shoot, I mean, Devontae had a handful of them the second half of the season. The Lazard one is the one that stands out to me, though, because that was at a time in which the Packers really needed somebody else to step up. They were still trying to find themselves without Randall Cobb. Uh, You knew it was Devontae Adams, but who's going to be that secondary playmaker and Lazard to have whatever it was, five touchdowns in the last X amount of games? I mean, he really came on strong for that roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have a different choice. I don't want to discount – you know, the Aaron Rodgers breaking Brett Favre's record, yeah, you know, right. that touchdown pass to Lazard, but that is actually not my pick. For me, I actually go all the way back to week two, if you remember the home game against the Detroit Lions, and the uh, the threaded ball down the middle seam to Tunyon to for Tunyon, that, for that, that touchdown was the at the goal line. Yeah, Alex Anzalone, I believe is how you pronounce the name. He was the linebacker in coverage on Tunyon, had, his, ba- had, his, his, had his back to the, uh, to the play. Rodgers fired it as you said, as you just said, right past his ear hole for the touchdown. And this is this is in week two, coming off of when you know all of whatever was getting thrown wherever with regard to that Packers week one performance against the Saints. 
And Aaron Rodgers threw that touchdown pass. Um, I, I thought it was maybe his most impressive throw, certainly one of his most impressive throws of the season. That's one that just uh, the, the visual of that from the Lambeau Field press box and how we saw it, the visual of that just sticks in my mind. I, yeah, I absolutely you, love that play. You got that one right. That is, uh, that is absolutely Well, there the aren't play. any right and wrong answers here. Wes, no, because but, it was the most impressive. But I had impressive. the advantage of thinking about this. Yeah, I, it was bit. funny. I kind of had forgotten about this. As soon as you said week two, I'm like, oh, I yeah. know where he's going with this. <laughs> Uh, and I'll tell you what. But no, I'm, put, I'm putting you on the spot. You, I, I didn't even give you the categories in advance, so uh, you know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. But Tunyon, man, losing him the second half of the season, uh, they did a good job was... of sort of stem, you know, stemming the tide for the most part. But man, oh life, you Repl- saw what replacing did. replacing a guy who had double digit touchdowns the previous yeah. season, and he wasn't having that type of statistical year, but there was still plenty of time left in the season that so you reliable. felt you felt like that uh, that well, he could catch fire at any time and then unfortunately the injury and he didn't have that opportunity. And just look at what Lazard did. Lazard was off yeah. to a pretty quiet start the first no couple months and he ended up being their second biggest playmaker yeah. down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough one. All right. Number 3 biggest surprise player. Oh man, I See, I, I was kind of figuring you were going to say this, and then I was figuring out, okay, <laughs> do I say Douglas or do I say Campbell? I've really put you on the spot here today. For the sake of not being overly long-winded, I'm actually going to look towards the players that were here already. Um, if you want to talk about either of those guys, I'm going to welcome you to doing that. We obviously already discussed that huge play that Douglas had in Arizona. Yeah. The biggest surprise player for me, though, this season, I'm actually going to give that credit to Eric Stokes. Because this is a guy, I wish we could go back to training camp. We never, you know, these are the things like you wish when you, we had the locker room access, you could just like ask Devante about Stokes, like just one-on-one, not just one quick quote, like actually like get some, some detail there. Because Mike, there's no cameras at training camp. We don't see these team periods that that film does not live in the public domain, but Rogers and Adams were targeting that young man a oh, yeah. lot. They went after him. And and that and that was intentional on the part of the coaching staff to test to test Eric Stokes, this yeah. young first round draft pick, right out of the box in training camp. All right, best quarterback, best receiver, you got to go and stop him on a daily basis. And he took his lumps, but he 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 battled he battled his butt off. Too. In the first two weeks of the season, remember we did some unscripted. I remember I wrote some inboxes. I said, listen, whether it was Casey Hayward, whether it was Micah Hyde, whether it was Jair. These young rookies, man, they play right away. When you have six defensive backs on the field most of the time, at least for half the game, these young guys are going to get out there. Stokes had to get thrown into the fire against San Francisco when Kevin King was a scratch during warm-ups, yeah. right? Or, or maybe it was week, whatever week that was. For that guy to play as many snaps as he did and look as good as he did and not be a liability at any point this season, I just think that speaks so well of him. He has so many natural God-given talents that his speed, his ranginess, his, his length. His, his athletic ability is just off the charts that so you can see why he was picked in the first round. And the guy didn't even have to lean on it that much no. this year. He was able no. to actually play. Like so many times when Sam Shields was younger, he had to really lean on those skills while the rest of his game caught up. But there's the difference between an undrafted guy like Sam Shields and a first-round pick yeah. like Eric Stokes. And a guy that right? was playing receiver yeah. at yeah. Miami and a guy yeah. that was playing quarterback. I like that. I, I, I like that pick. I was fully prepared for you to say either Devondre Campbell or Rasul Douglas, and yeah. I was just going to pick the other one. Yeah. But, no, it, definitely Campbell and Douglas are the two guys that jump out the most to me. Campbell because 
he didn't show up until June when the offseason program was almost over and then essentially became the signal caller, the leader, the guy in the middle of everything in Joe Barry's defense for, you know, his first year as a coordinator here. And as we talked about, just he changed the look, the feel, the way this defense played. You can't you can't give him enough credit. And then to do what he did and earn first team all pro uh, on on top of it. Um, very impressive. Um, I would probably say Douglas was an even bigger surprise. Oh, 100%. Um, because, because of coming off of another team's practice squad. When Jair Alexander went down, I mean, you know, you know how I, I like to talk about things, Wes. You know, your premier positions are, are passer, pass protector, as in left tackle, pass rusher, edge rusher, and pass defender, your cornerbacks. When Jair Alexander went down, the Packers didn't have a ton of depth at cornerback. You were looking at that as a potentially huge loss. They plucked Douglas off of Arizona's practice squad. He's here for a week or so. He's thrown in in Chicago after the opening series of the game when Justin Fields took the Bears right down the field for a touchdown. Douglas comes off the bench and gets thrown in there and basically didn't come off the field the, yeah. re- the rest of the season. And then, of course, you all know the pick in Arizona, a couple of pick sixes. Uh, in in back-to-back games at Lambeau Field, the two interceptions on Christmas Day, including the clincher uh, against Baker Mayfield there to win the game against the Browns. Um, This is as much, uh, and he ends up getting Pro Bowl alternate status based on um, all of that when uh, when this is a guy who started the season and wasn't even on an active roster and had bounced around between three or four other teams just trying to uh, to land a job. His story this year was, was absolutely remarkable. I remember Washington the first Packers home game where this guy's active. And I remember watching that game and watching how he collapsed on the ball and how hard he played. And I said, this guy's different. <laughs> it wasn't even about the interceptions. It wasn't about you know making big plays or touchdowns or anything like that. Just the way he had a relentless pursuit to the football. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's six foot two. He's 208 pounds. He was a third-round pick three years ago. Why was he on the practice squad for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, and and I and I, last time I'm going to say this because who knows? We'll see what happens. This might be the last time we talk about Douglas uh, until free agency. The the Cardinals keep getting ripped for Douglas. The Cardinals deserve no. There's you you can't shame them at all no. for what they did. No, the Packers had a bunch of veterans that they had signed to to their practice squad. It's what you do in this league. Yeah, it was week one of the regular season. The Houston Texans are the ones that cut this guy loose. After a week, they didn't even give him a chance to really prove himself. Arizona put him on the practice squad. Maybe he stayed there too long, but I give them credit for giving him an opportunity. But this guy to pick up this playbook as quickly as he did and to make himself a contributor by the end of the month, October, yeah, I, I, yeah. that is why he's the biggest surprise. I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah, and the stories of Campbell and Douglas both go to show in this league how – you know, the old adage of, of opportunity and environment and timing and all of that, um, how it can make such a difference. Because because with Campbell, we had talked about how, you know, he got a chance to be Batman instead of Robin, right? And Joe Barry's scheme seemed to be just absolutely the perfect fit for him. He, he walked right into a perfect situation and he seized it. He completely took advantage of it. Rasul Douglas, again, it was opportunity. Rasul Douglas is never putting on a Packers uniform if Jair Alexander plays the entire season. It, he, would, he would never have been no. here. Um, so it was an opportunity, but then he comes here. 
he sort of, you know, hitches his wagon, so to speak, to Jerry Gray and learns a lot more about how to watch film and prepare. And he becomes a, a film junkie. All the stories we heard about, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night in the team cafeteria after everybody's gone home and he's got his iPad there looking at film. The coaches would see that. So environment, opportunity, all of that, those two guys are, are, are great examples. And I just want to make this point too quickly. Campbell, I hope the NFL has taken – like free agents have taken notice of what Devondre Campbell did because there's such a emphasis on, okay, I either get cut or I get let go. This league new year starts on March 17th. I got to sign as soon as I can or I'm going to look like nobody wants me. Yeah. Campbell wasn't afraid of that, man. He said, you know what, if I got to take this thing into June before signing with the team, I'm going to do it. He and was, was going to find the right opportunity for himself. Yes, yep. because I, I think I didn't – Get the, he didn't say this directly, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it almost did kind of feel like he, when, when he left Atlanta, it was like, well, Arizona was the best opportunity in terms of money, in terms of everything. I'm going to go there, and it wasn't the right fit for him. Yeah. This situation, he waited it out. He was cerebral about it, and now he's going to make a pretty good payday, whether it's here or it's somewhere else in the league. Absolutely. Not enough players do that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Next one, unsung hero. You can take this any direction you want. You know, I'm going to say this because uh, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for what he did this year as Lucas Patrick. Uh, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. That was one of the names at the top of my list too. They used a second-round draft pick on Josh Myers, and rightfully so. You look at this kid, Mike, he's a Mack truck. Yeah. Like he has everything you look for. You draw up a center on a, on a you know, prototype. In this, in this day and age, this day as, and age. as centers keep getting bigger, yep. the days of the Scott Wells is no offense to Scott, but he was a much smaller guy, a Pro Bowl center in his own yeah. right, but that's not what centers look like anymore. No, they look like Josh Myers, who yeah. could be a freaking tackle. The, yeah. the kid is so tall. But they got put in a real difficult spot because Corey Lindsley's gone. He's been the center now for all of basically a half a season in his last seven years in Green Bay. Lucas Patrick had signed that really quietly had signed that extension at the end of the, the 19 season that took him through his first year of unrestricted free agency. And he had learned center this position. He did not play in college, learned it, developed it. And the Packers had to use him there for 10 games. The reason Green Bay was able to get on this run late in the season, a lot of it had to do with how Lucas Patrick had settled in there. Aaron Rodgers paid him the ultimate compliment saying that this guy can be a legitimate solid center in the national football league. And when time came for Myers to come back, Lucas took his lunch pail, and he went back to right guard. That's where he finished the season. I don't know what happens with Lucas Patrick this offseason. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. But what he has given this team, it was a great story. Tryout guy, didn't get any undrafted contracts. He had to earn everything he got in Green Bay. The guy's leaving Green Bay as a bona fide NFL football player. And I, I hope he gets compensated accordingly. But for them to put that much of an investment in center. Mike, again, this is a position for a number of years. The Packers were using undrafted free agents. They were using Jeff Saturday. I mean, late round <laughs> picks. God bless, you know, Scott Wells, but he was a seventh rounder. Right. This is pretty much their highest draft pick they'd put into that position in years. Oh, yeah, long time. And then they lose Myers, and it has to be Patrick, and Patrick did the job yep. fast, you know. An incredible season, I thought, for a guy that doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, I agree with you. Lucas Patrick was my pick on offense. On defense, <laughs> yeah, you stole you stole one from me there. I, I knew I knew it would happen. That's okay. Um, I'm having a hard time picking between two guys on defense, so I'm going to talk a little bit about both of them. The first one is Adrian Amos, and it may sound kind of strange to say, oh, this guy was one of the defensive captains. How can he be an unsung hero? But he 
he didn't have some, you know, monster year statistically. He didn't get a whole lot of recognition of anything in terms of Pro Bowl or All-Pro or any of that kind of stuff. But some of the things that we've already talked about here recently, a rookie cornerback in Eric Stokes, you're dealing with Jair Alexander's injury, Rasul Douglas, a new guy coming into the secondary. Adrian Amos was kind of the was kind of that glue guy in yeah. the defensive backfield that that held everything together, right? He was a veteran guy. He knows what he's doing. He's he's respected. All those guys look up to him. He could answer all their questions. I'm sure, you know, to be a fly on the wall in a in you know the defensive back meeting room when they're going over film and stuff like that, I think would give us even more insight into the kind of the kind of guy that Adrian Amos is. So he's one of the guys I wanted to mention in this category. The other one also on the defensive side I'm going to say is Dean Lowry. Sure. Um, because for years we've been, we've been saying, you know, the Packers need, the Packers need that, that tandem guy, that guy to pair with Kenny Clark, right? And Dean Lowry has been a very solid player for the Packers since he was drafted in the fourth round here in 2016. I thought this season, after a little bit of a slow start, when Dean Lowry started to come on this year, he maintained that level of play yeah. like the rest of the way. He became a very, very, not, not just the guy lined up next to Kenny Clark, he became a very strong complementary piece there in the defensive line next to, uh, um, next to Kenny Clark. And um, I, I really thought Lowry's impact on a, on a steady, consistent basis was the best it's been in his career to this point. Yeah, and he looked bigger, stronger, everything. I mean, he, he checked all the boxes. He set career highs. He's a strong the dude, man. I mean, Kenny, yeah. Kenny Clark is strong. Like, don't, get me, don't yeah. get me wrong. But Kenny would always say he, he has to remind Dean how strong he is. Like, hey, just, just bull rush the guy. You know, don't, you, know you, don't, you don't need to, to pussyfoot around, so to speak. Like, yeah. go after him because your strength will get the job done. And when you look at the film, Dean Lowry was able to use that strength in a lot of positive ways that 16 draft man I don't think it's it I think to me it goes down as one of the more underrated ones that Ted Thompson had because 15 did not go well nobody's going to sit here and say that the 15 draft was was a world beater by any means but 16 I think is a big reason why Green Bay was able to get this thing back on the tracks in 19 and be able to you know start to build something here on defense certainly it was Blake Martinez for a time until that torch was passed now to Devontae Campbell but for a defensive tackle, that's a first-round pick like Kenny Clark, who's, by the way, at the end of the first round, there's no gimmies at the end of the first round. Kenny could have not worked out at that spot. Yeah. But to hit on him and then also find Dean in the fourth round as a comp pick, uh, those two, to, to have two guys play together for six years and they're both under contract for next year, th that doesn't happen in the National Football League a right. lot. And they're the leaders there, the longest-tenured members of the defense. And certainly when you talk about guys that I think probably deserve to have more respect put on their name. Dean Lowry definitely is on top of that list. Yeah, I like those picks there. Lucas Patrick, Dean Lowry, Adrian Amos getting uh, um, getting some run in the unsung. We should have little awards well. that we give out to yeah, these guys. Yeah, we, like got little... we have to little little trophies or something. We'll slide them, slide them for it. The All right, last one, last one. And we're going a little bit long today, but but that's okay. It's our last show for a while. I'm not so doing another hang, one. So, so. Ha so hang with us, Marv. Um, Marv's our producer, as, as you all know. All right, last one before we get to championship weekend here. I'll go craziest thing you saw this season. The craziest thing I saw this yes. year? Uh, it is, is it the Packers? Uh, you can take it Because otherwise direction. it's probably Stephon Diggs level in that fan last week. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, the craziest thing I saw this year from the Green Bay Packers. 
while I try to think of a better answer, I'm going to say the injuries because we last year, one of the reasons why when they lost to the Buccaneers, what that it was so difficult is it's like, well, they're not going to have a healthy year like that again. I mean, they, they were just, Nothing went wrong. Yeah. And then this missing, year. Missing one key guy there in the playoffs last year, obviously, in Bakhtiari. But the rest of the team yeah. was basically healthy. This year, absolutely, completely different This year, story. nothing went right. Oh, my Every, gosh. Everyone was injured. Unbelievable. Uh, to, to lose Zadarius, to lose Jair in the first month of the season and basically have them miss, they miss the rest of the regular season and get them back for the playoff game. And then losing some guys here and there to COVID positive tests and yeah. all that, too. That, that got thrown in on top of all your regular injuries that, uh, that can yeah. happen in the course of an NFL season. So the injuries are one thing. I'll tell you what it was, though, now that I got a little bit more time to think about it. Uh, it was Kirk Cousins completing the pass to Garrett Bradbury. That was the craziest thing I saw this year. <laughs> Good one. Adrian Good Amos one. levels uh, the tight end there. Uh, I forget which one that was. The ball gets popped up. And it was then, a Conklin, I think. Yeah, it was Ty Conklin. It? Yeah, yeah, Ty it Conklin. Their, it was their tight end. Yeah. Uh, Good pick, though. I like that. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. Because everybody's was, staring at it, like, what that just was, happened? That was that was wild. It was it was the uh, it was it was the you know the immaculate reception part two, except it wasn't Terry Bradshaw and Franco Harris. It was Kirk Cousins and Garrett Bradbury. And so. I for, I forgot which reporter asked Amos about it, but you know Amos lays this big old hit. Oh, on Ty big Conklin. time, big time hit. You think you clean hit, but you think the play's over, and then here's this 300 pound offense. <laughs> charging at you with the football that was so yeah that was the craziest thing i saw yeah my my pick my pick is the uh is the ending to the cincinnati game yeah um, that was all nuts. of the all of the the missed field goals back and forth by by both teams and multiple i've ne- i have never watched a game that had that many walk-off opportunities that were missed before the, before a walk-off opportunity then was good, and they actually did walk off the field finally. Like that, I mean, and it was something about in terms of the number of go-ahead or game-winning missed field goals within a certain amount of time in the fourth quarter, overtime, whatever. It did set a record. Like yeah. it was not the type of game that had ever happened before, and and I don't think we're ever going to see another one like that. That was absolutely insane. No, and actually that was also a thing that told me that Evan McPherson's probably going to be a pretty good kicker in this league because you would have thought that, oh, my gosh, this poor kid misses this kick. Yeah, Crosby Crosby then finally makes one, makes the kick at the end, and Evan McPherson's not just, you know, sitting on the bench, you know, like like staring staring off into space, you know, wondering like, oh, my gosh, how did I cost – I mean, he's – as you said, he's going out there kind of joking around with Crosby, like, how, like what just happened out there? That told you know, me like, that that kid's confident yeah, and uh, well, certainly end up being the PFWA Rookie of the Year in that. Uh, yeah, and he drilled, uh, drilled the walk-off game, run, game winner to get the uh, Bengals into the AFC Championship with that win over the Tennessee Titans, which we're going to get to those championship games in a moment, but a shout-out to our sponsors, Sirius XM NFL Radio, Delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in Let, better. Let's give some credit, too. Serious Cousins, we've been doing these reads all year long. That's what keeps us having paychecks. Absolutely. And also, I did happen to get a gift card this year to Cousins that I haven't used yet. So I think there's some shakes in my future here once it's not negative 15 degrees outside. And I would say that uh, that you should you should take me out for a sandwich, except everybody knows that I steal your sandwiches all the time. Yeah, so 
Yeah, and then Marv said I should take him as well, too. There we but, go. yeah, we're, we're even. <laughs> You're good. All right. Um, championship weekend here, Wes. Cincinnati at Kansas City. San Francisco at the L.A. Rams. Although what I'm hearing is uh, there are reports based on secondary market ticket activity that uh, they're looking at potentially two-thirds of SoFi Stadium being San Francisco fans on Sunday for the NFC Championship. That's sort of what's been leaking out. <laughs> we'll see if that actually happens. But anyway. What was the worst idea, Mike? Let's put you on the spot here. What was the worst idea? <laughs> 17 regular season games or putting two teams in L.A.? <laughs> I thought you were going to say putting one team in L.A. or putting <laughs> two teams in L.A. Like, what was the what was the worst idea? Uh... Um, yeah, I mean, Sean McVay pleading, pleading with – the Rams fans not to sell their tickets because he knows that the 49ers fans are going to overrun. That is, It's really not going to be a home game for the L.A. Rams with the exception of really being in their home locker room probably. It's way too close to And not having to, get on a, not having to get on an airplane. Yeah. But um, What was the question? How do you see these games playing? Who, who, who do you think... Who do you think will be playing in the Super Bowl out of those four teams? I, I think Kansas City's winning it. So that so that makes it so that I believe that they're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Um, do I have a coin? I don't have a coin. <laughs> You're going to flip. I was just going to flip, flip a for coin that quick. NFC. That NFC. Um, the third meeting in the uh, in the NFC West between you know the what? Niners and the Rams. I'm going to go. I'm going to go the Rams just because. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be because of the fans, but it's really difficult to beat good teams three times in the same season. It is. That's a tall task for San Francisco to actually be able to do that. I saw that stat already that they're the first team in NFL history now to close the season with three straight wins over teams with at least 12 victories. I learned that from the internet. Uh, so to make that the fourth, you know, to go Rams, Dallas Packers, Rams again, that's a, that's something else. Yeah. If they do it, they're, they're nobody's underdog in the Super Bowl, but no doubt. I just feel like the Rams caught on to something, man. I, I feel like Matthew Stafford is in one of those rhythms right now. They got to clean up their run game. They have to minimize the mistakes, but defensively they can stop San Francisco. So can they yeah. get the points that they need? I agree with you. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be Kansas City against Los Angeles. We're going to get a rematch of that highest scoring Monday night football game yeah. ever from a few years ago. Obviously, it will be with a different Rams quarterback now that Matthew Stafford is there instead of Jared Goff. But it seems like that's uh, that's where this uh, that's where this is headed. But who the heck knows, right? I mean, uh, um, but what is exciting? I, I I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how Stafford does because, as I mentioned before, he finished the regular season on a, in a bad rut of turning the ball over. Mm -hmm. And obviously he enters the postseason with a ton of pressure on him as a quarterback who's never a veteran quarterback and very accomplished quarterback yes. who's never won a postseason game before. He gets that monkey off his back against Arizona. The Cardinals did not play well. He wins that. Then he puts together a really, really tremendous performance against Tampa Bay on the road last week and then survives and, and makes the big plays at the end to make up for all of his teammates fumbling the ball all over the place. And now suddenly it just it's it seems like all of you know the whole narrative about Matthew Stafford and the pressure on him and everything he's he's in a he's in a different place now heading into this game it just feels like and I'm very curious to see if he can take this to the finish line. Which is uh, which is what the Rams which is what the Rams got him for, and you mentioned the Rams defense too. Von Miller, when the Rams played here at Lambeau, 
<clears throat> Von Miller had fairly recently joined their yeah. roster and I believe was kind of dealing with an ankle injury. Watching the Packers' offensive film, Rams' defensive film from that game, Von Miller was a complete non-factor, really, in that game against the Packers. Von Miller is a big-time factor. Um, he's back to being looking like the old Von Miller now, and him being added to what was already a pretty good Rams defense, I think the Rams are in. Uh, I think the Rams are in pretty good position to uh, to pull this off. And if uh, Aaron Donald keeps his hands off of the opposing offensive lineman's head and neck area, <laughs> yeah, I like the the Los Angeles Rams' chances here down the stretch. They listen, man. We talk about being all in. I don't believe in it, but the Rams are all in. Like. This is it. Yeah. They're on their, like, they didn't take out a second mortgage. They took out, like, a third one yeah. on this thing. So yep. they got to win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we just set the record, I believe, for the longest unscripted episode in our longer uh, if you want. six years of, was it five years or six years we've been we've doing We've done this? this for six years. Six years Feels now. like seven. See, I can't even, I can't even keep track anymore. But with that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. We will be back at some point during the off season on a whim, who knows, <laughs> just uh, stay tuned to Packers.com where we have all the coverage of your favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. It's all there for you. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and for tuning in all season long. We will see you next time.